everyone. Welcome to Cooking in Convos, the podcast to help you find more ease in the kitchen so you can prepare delicious meals quickly without a lot of hassle. I know everyone is super busy and you don't have the time for complicated recipes with tons of ingredients. And if this is you, you've come to the right place. I'll share super easy recipes for super yummy meals, which won't have you standing in the kitchen for long. I'll share some time-saving tips as well that will help you along the way. I'll also get into some interesting conversations with folks who know a thing or two about food. It's going to be fun. So step into my kitchen to cook and connect on Cooking and Convos. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Cooking and Convos. I'm glad to have you here. Today's episode will be focusing on the basic kitchen tools and equipment I think you should have in your kitchen. Now, you don't have to have all of these items at once. You can slowly buy them as needed, but I just wanted to get a fundamental list together as a helpful guide to assist you in your cooking journey. After I go over the list of kitchen tools and equipment, I'm going to share a yummy, very easy recipe that my family has loved over the years, turkey sausage pasta with peppers and onions. And for the vegetarians out there, you can easily replace the turkey sausage with portobello mushrooms, which is a nice, sturdy, meaty, and tasty vegetable that will stand up nicely in the dish. I sometimes go this route if I just want a break from meat or fish altogether. And don't worry, I'll post this recipe in the show notes so you won't need to worry about writing it down. Okay, starting on the kitchen tools. Again, not all of them are mandatory, but you can always add them in slowly as you go. The one thing you really shouldn't improvise is in your measuring tools. They're super important for obvious reasons. Once you get a bit more skilled, you may not need to rely on measurements so strictly, and you'll probably be able to eyeball certain ingredients or revise measurements to your taste, which I do quite often. But it's really better to be exact most of the time, especially when you're trying new recipes. Okay, so the first two things you need right off the bat, without question, are measuring spoons and measuring cups a set of each. I personally have two pairs of each, so I'm not rinsing and drying every time I'm going from measuring a liquid ingredient to a dry ingredient. But of course, starting out with one set is perfectly fine. The next thing is a Pyrex glass measuring cup. I like having this because it has a little spout on the end and it's really helpful in reducing spills when you're measuring liquid. The next thing that is absolutely mandatory is a sharp kitchen knife. I have a set of Henkel knives. They've been great to me over the years, but there are so many different brands. There's also Wursthoff, which is a great brand as well. But I just keep my Henkel knives sharpened and they really do such wonders for me when I'm cutting vegetables or cutting meat. They're just great. So try to get yourself at least one really good sharp knife. The next thing you'll need is a steamer. I use my steamer often. I make green beans or I'll steam broccoli or if I want spiced shrimp one night. Now spiced shrimp, super easy recipe if you want, you know, a nice protein. To spice and steam shrimp, it takes like seven minutes. It's so, so quick. I'll share that recipe down the road. Not just yet, but just know. Super easy thing to cook. Okay, on to the rest of the tools. Now, I like to have two spatulas in the house. I like the rubber-ended ones to avoid scratching pans or cookie sheets. And plus, they're just easier to use than the, the hard metal spatulas. 
a spaghetti spoon for pasta. Now, a spaghetti spoon has prongs on the side, so it gathers the pasta nicely if you're pulling pasta out of a pot. You'll need a few wooden spoons. Now, maybe you just start out with one in the beginning, but it's nice to have a couple of different size wooden spoons. A meat tenderizer. Now, a meat tenderizer looks like a mallet. It has two sides on it. One side is smooth, and you would use that for pounding, and then the other side has little prongs in it, and that helps to puncture the meat. A meat tenderizer is really such a nice thing to have. I mainly use it personally for tenderizing chicken, and wow, does it really make chicken so, so tender, so soft, and just very enjoyable to eat. Because sometimes if I'm getting chicken fillets, sometimes I find that they're tough. I mean, even if I cut them down the middle, because sometimes chicken fillets just come so thick, I often cut them down. But then when you tenderize them, it stretches them out, and if you want a stuffed chicken breast, it just makes it really easy to handle. So I think a, a tenderizer is pretty important. The next thing is a zester. I use my zester at least every other day. I often marinate my protein in the morning or the night before, so my zester just gets a lot of use. My first zester, actually, I broke recently because I just used it so much, so now I just have, I have the end of that zester in my drawer, and then I also have a brand new zester that I really adore. Um, a cheese grater. I got my cheese grater from Ikea. It was like five bucks. I got it about 15 years ago and I adore it. It has a lid on top and then it has the various different uh, blades if I wanted to grate something or if I want to shred something, but it, it, it sits right on the counter. It's not the tall kind of grater where you're holding the handle. I hate those. I'm just, I wobble, I'm like putting too much pressure on it. I don't know what it is, but I'm just not fond of it. So if you have an Ikea near you, I think they still sell these cheese graters. They're just the best because if you're grating some cheese, let's say in the morning, and you want to hold it for the evening, it comes with a little plastic cover and you just, you know, put it in your fridge. Makes things so nice and tidy. The next thing you'll need are some cutting boards, at least one large one and one small one. I have wooden versions of each. I also have plastic versions of each. Now, I mainly use my plastic cutting boards when I'm cutting meat. I want to make sure absolutely all of the, the remnants from whatever meat I'm going to prepare are off my cutting board, and I find it so much more helpful to clean plastic cutting boards versus wooden cutting boards, because sometimes wooden cutting boards harbor bacteria if they're not cleaned properly, and I just don't want to be coming in contact with salmonella or anything else that that's harbored in raw meat. So I like to have two versions. If I'm cutting garlic or an onion, I like to use the small board so I'm not messing up and then cleaning a larger board. The next item on the list would be a strainer. I love to use my strainer for pasta, if I'm cooking or boiling potatoes before making mashed potatoes. A strainer is really a must, that's for sure. And then lastly, on the kitchen tools list would be tongs. Tongs are good for obvious reasons if you're baking something in a frying pan that you need to pick up and then move around. On to our cooking equipment. What I find very helpful to have in the kitchen is a 9 by 13 rectangular glass baking dish. This baking dish has low sides and often people use it when cooking lasagna, enchiladas, or cooking something that you'll be actually putting in the oven to bake. 
And then also it's it's good to have if you're cooking for more than two people. Now, if you're mainly cooking for two people, I would use the eight by eight square glass baking dish. That's the dish you typically use for brownies as well. But if you're cooking for one or two people, the eight by eight should be fine. You'll need a baking sheet. I use my baking sheets for cookies, breads, just all kinds of things. I think one will suffice, at least for now. The next item on the list is a round Pyrex glass baking dish with a lid. This is a great dish to have if you're making small casseroles or if you want to make anything else that just requires a smaller dish, maybe a small amount of mac and cheese. I actually use this dish all the time if I'm cooking rice. I bake my rice. I don't cook it on the stovetop, and it comes out perfectly every time, and it just creates a lot more ease in my kitchen because I know if I'm cooking rice, you know, the starch is done, and it's going to be out of the way and not on my stovetop. But that's just me. Some people think I'm weird, but that's how I do it. That's how I like it. Uh, the next item would be a roasting pan for roast chicken or roasting meats. Now, the next item you don't have to have. I like to have if I'm having people over for dinner and if I'm not able to grill outside. This is a square 11-inch grill pan. It's nice because you can grill inside your house and still get those char marks that you could get if you're not able to grill outside or if you just don't have the space for a grill. Um, it's not something you must have by any stretch, but I thought I'd add it in. Now the next section, we're just going to be going over some saucepans and frying pans. I have a three-quart saucepan that I use all the time. I use it for cooking pasta or boiling water if I need, you know, something that's going to feed a family of four. But if you have a bigger family, you might want to go up to a four-quart or possibly higher than that. But I have found over the years, and, and even if I'm cooking for a larger crowd, more than four people, uh, my, my three-quart saucepan works just, just right. The next item on the list will be a one-and-a-half-quart saucepan. And I like having this because it's nice if you're doing simple sauces or if you're cooking for just one or two people. Now, frying pans. I think you need all three. You need a small, medium, and large. A small is 8 inches, a medium is 10 inches, and a large is 12 inches. I've never needed anything larger than that, um, but I use all of them quite frequently. You don't need to go out and spend a lot of money on frying pans. The basic nonstick pans should work nicely for most of your needs and for most of the recipes that I'll present. I really like the Anilon or Caffalon pans, and they're pretty sturdy to cook with. Just be sure to use a rubber-ended or wooden utensil when cooking in them so you don't scratch the pans. And when storing them in your drawers, lay a tea towel or a piece of cloth in between the pans when you stack them to avoid potential scratching. It'll also help keep your drawers organized as well. Just a side note, though. When cooking food at a really high heat, you really should use a stainless steel, cast iron, or carbon steel pan because those pans can take the high heat much better than the nonstick pans, and they won't smoke as much. The other option is to cook food that requires a higher heat on an outdoor grill, but most of the time, nonstick pans should do the trick. The next item is a standing mixer. Now, you can have a hand mixer. No one's saying, you know, you must have a standing mixer. But again, I like to create ease in my kitchen. And if I can, you know, mix something while I'm cooking something else, I'm going to do it. So for me, the standing mixer has been a godsend. And I use my standing mixer, it feels like, at least every other day. Then the next item would be a Dutch oven. Now, again, this isn't 
an absolute. You don't have to have it. But I love my Dutch oven. And I really kind of splurged several years ago and bought a Le Creuset that's spelled L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T. I just love this Dutch oven. I can cook on my stovetop and then transfer what I'm cooking into the oven. I can simmer sauces in this dish if I'm cooking on the weekend and let's say making spaghetti sauce or I'm making a soup. It's just really the most versatile, flexible piece of equipment you can have. And I know I'll have my Le Creuset for the rest of my life. There's really no reason to buy any other Dutch oven. But in saying that, there are different brands of Dutch ovens that you can buy for a lot less money at Target or Walmart or really a lot of other places. You don't need to go with that brand. I was just saying I use that brand. I've always heard about it and then I just wanted one for myself every time I use it. I just love it. Okay, so there you have it. Those are the kitchen tools and equipment that I think you will need to start out in your kitchen. Some things, again, aren't mandatory. I'll let you choose. And again, you don't need everything all at once, but it's just a little guide to help you as you start down the, the road of cooking. Okay, so now we're at the fun part. We're on to our recipe for turkey sausage pasta with peppers and onions. This recipe serves four people. For the vegetarians out there, you can replace the sausage with a cup of sliced portobello mushrooms and it will taste just as good. These mushrooms are really meaty and I think very satisfying. The prep tip for this dish, I would say that would save lots of time, is prepping your sliced vegetables in the morning and placing them in a sealed bag. So you get that part out of the way, and then in the evening when you're ready to, to cook your turkey sausage and your pasta, you know at least you have your vegetables sliced and you can just put them in the pan and fry them as you're cooking the turkey sausages. Now, you can cook the turkey sausages on a grill outside if you have a partner who is willing to do that. Um, but if not, you can cook them in a frying pan, a medium frying pan in, in your kitchen. So what you'll need is one pound of turkey sausages. You can also use chicken sausages. You know, you can get a flexible. Whatever you think you're going to like for your protein, I think you can, you can replace if you don't want turkey sausages specifically. Four tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil one red pepper sliced, one large onion sliced, three cloves of garlic chopped, one tablespoon of oregano, salt and pepper to taste, although I use a half a teaspoon of each, but you might like a little less depending on your dietary needs, or you might like a little more, so that'll be your choice. And three quarters of a cup of Parmesan cheese. Then, just a half a pound of angel hair pasta. If you like a ton of pasta, you can add a little bit more, but I like to taste more of the ingredients and less pasta, but I'll leave that up to you. But I think a half a pound of angel hair pasta should do. That is it for your ingredients. Now, to the cooking part, pour one tablespoon of the extra virgin olive oil in a medium-sized pan on medium heat. You'll place your sausages, if you're not grilling outside, put your sausages in the pan, and cook until they're done. It should take no more than 20 minutes. That's typically what it takes me. What I sometimes do is I'll poke holes in the turkey sausage as well just to speed things up. I know if you don't do that, it seals in the juices a little more, but typically I just want to, you know, get things going and, and speed things up as much as possible. So that's one little tip. While the turkey sausage is cooking, pour two tablespoons of olive oil in a large pan on medium heat. Saute the peppers, onions, 
and sprinkle in the salt and pepper and oregano until the peppers and onions are almost done. Then when you're, you know, seeing the onions becoming a little bit translucent, I would toss in the garlic and then saute for about five more minutes, stirring everything frequently. Now the vegetables, along with the garlic, shouldn't take more than 15 minutes to cook. Um, but when you're putting in your garlic, this is the time you want to make sure your pot of water is boiling for your pasta, because I'm really big on timing everything out. So again, cutting down the needless time once something is cooked, then you start on something else. No, I don't do that. I want to make sure everything is cooking kind of simultaneously. So once the pasta is done, everything's done. Um, because you just don't want vegetables laying around in the pan, getting all mushy. You don't want the turkey sausage getting cold. Once the pasta is cooked, drain it and then transfer it to a bowl and then blend all of the cooked vegetables into the pasta with one tablespoon of olive oil and toss till everything is fully combined. Then once everything is fully combined, getting all the nice juices in with the pasta, you'll slice the cooked sausages into round disks and toss them into the pasta. Once everything is combined, sprinkle in a half a cup of the Parmesan cheese and toss it again. Then once you're ready to plate, plate your dishes and then sprinkle in a little bit more of your Parmesan cheese to top the pasta. It looks really pretty. This dish is really a pretty, pretty dish and it's very tasty. The, just the peppers and the onions and the garlic and a little bit of oregano is just wonderful. So I hope that works out for you. Let me know if it doesn't. Feel free to DM me, but for now, I'm, I'm hoping that you'll like this recipe. And also, just as a side note, a good glass of Cabernet goes really well with this pasta. Cooking doesn't have to take a long, long time. As long as you prep and you cook things simultaneously and just really watch what you're doing in the kitchen, it really doesn't have to take you too long to cook something really tasty and also something really easy. Now get in the kitchen and cook something good. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast so you can receive all future episodes automatically. And feel free to rate the show as well. I'm new at this, so please be kind. If you'd like to reach out to me, I'm on Instagram at Cooking and Convos Podcast. Shoot me a DM if you have any questions or want to share some feedback. Thanks again for being here, and I look forward to bringing you recipes and having more convos in the future. Talk soon.